0: Welcome to the June 2020 edition of the
1: Big Gay Fiction Book Club. I'm Jeff. And I'm Will. Thank you for joining us once again for another Book Club episode. We are glad that you're here. And a special thank you to our patrons on Patreon. They're part of the reason why we are able to make these Book Club episodes happen. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much. Now, if you'd like more information on joining our community, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash big fiction podcast. Now, when we announced this month's book club pick, it was with the caveat that it was something a little bit different. So far this year, we have read some really wonderful contemporary romances, and this month we decided to switch things up a bit. We're going with something a little bit wild. Yep, we have got a some super sexy paranormal shifters set in the wild west. Now when Mazmatics came out with heartache and hoofbeats almost two years ago now, I was definitely intrigued and I am so glad, actually, let me rephrase that. I'm kicking myself that I haven't <laughs> read this book sooner, but I am so glad that we finally have, this is a really special story.
0: I'm really glad that you pick this. I have read selected shifter stories, like my biggest dive into shifters is T. j. Cluton's Green Creek series, and this is nothing like that at all. There's really no angst here. This is really just super sweet, paranormal and who knew centaur shifters i'm I'm very into that now.
1: It is definitely a thing.
0: <laughs> you heard it here, folks. It's a thing. <laughs>
1: As part of Pride Month, we spoke to Maz Maddox, so before we dive into our discussion of the book, here she is telling us a little bit about Heartache and Hoofbeats and what the inspiration behind the story was.
2: So Heartache and Hoofbeats is a paranormal shifter, Wild War West romance that has some unconventional shifters in it. It is about a small town sheriff whose name is Cal or Calhoun who is a centaur who gets word that there are some notorious train bandits making a play for a train that's kind of rolling past his town. So him and his crew go and chase down the bandits, but they're only able to capture one of them, whose name is Jesse. And so they chase off the other guys and bring Jesse back into Stallion Ridge, which is the town. And um, now they've got to wait for the marshal to come into town a a week or two later to hang Jesse for his crime of being part of the Iron Bandits. Well, of course, that that complicates things, because poor Cal and Jesse are forced to stay in the jail together while Cal monitors him so he doesn't try to leave. And, you know, Jesse's a charming dude. So it goes from having to house this prisoner and wait for his fate to trying to see if he's going to be able to save this guy from, you know, the hammer of justice, I guess. So, but <laughs> So that's the book in a nutshell. And, of course, in between that, there's a bunch of other fun crap that happens. There's a cool ghosty thing that happens and a cool showdown and all kinds of fun stuff. I came up with the idea while I was working overnights at a 911 call center in Fort Worth, Texas. And if you're unfamiliar with Fort Worth, Texas, it is yeehaw to the bone. Like everything is cowboy themed. The whole aesthetic is longhorns. It's it's ridiculous. It's like the most Texas town in Texas and that's a hell of a statement so while working there I was texting my editor best friend Ethel to my Lucy schemes Jess about these characters and the story that will never see the light of day and I was like wouldn't it be hilarious if we put them in a western setting like wild west and all this stuff and then somehow it morphed into what if so-and-so was a centaur? Like, if, if we're going to have shifters in a Wild West, wouldn't it make sense that one of them is a centaur? And I was like, ha, huh, holy shit, I have an idea. So, it, like, it kind of blossomed from that, from us goofing around on a text message to this exploding world now where I'm, you know, six books deep into a seven-book series, and now I'm, like, the centaur lady, and it's just, and I wear that with pride. It's, like, my favorite thing, so... Yeah, it was a silly joke, and it turned into something great, and I love it.
1: Thank you so much, Maz. So what do you say? Do you want to discuss heartache and hoofbeats? Let's do it. Before we do that, there be spoilers ahead. Now, usually I don't mention spoilers because, frankly, we're talking about romance, and we all know how these books are going to end, but I think this book is a special exception. It is a paranormal shifter romance, but it also has lots of action adventure elements to it, and there were some really unexpected twists.
0: That's very true. You're right. There are some things here that you certainly don't get in your contemporary romance. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also book 1 of a series and and there are some things that start to set
1: up the second book that, you know, will also get talked about here as we go. So if you don't want spoilers, stop now and pick up a copy of Heartache and Hoofbeats. Beats. You won't be sorry. No, you definitely won't. (laughs) Okay, let's get to it. This book starts with a bang, an attempted train robbery. One of our heroes, Jesse, has allied himself with the scurrilous villains, the Iron Bandits, and they're trying to rob a train. It does not go very well because Sheriff Calhoun and the rest of his gang from Stallion Ridge put a stop to it. The reader is
0: immediately thrown in to the middle of all this. Within just a few pages, the, the, the train robbery is attempted, I guess, because they don't really succeed too much with that because the good sheriff chases most of the bad guys away, but
1: they do snag Jesse. So Jesse is taken into custody and put in the cell in the sheriff's office, and essentially they're going to be waiting for a couple of days until the marshal can come to town and decide what to do with him. Night falls, and frankly, this is not Jesse's first time at the rodeo. He has a set of lockpicks stowed away in his boot. So he gets out of jail and makes plans to hightail Taylor out of town when he sees the back end of a horse and decides that he's going to jump on and ride off. Unfortunately, that horse is actually Cal in shifted form.
0: Oops. Oops.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so... Jesse ends up back where he started, and Cal takes it upon himself to stand guard personally overnight.
0: Which is not to say that Cal has a bad team. I mean, we meet these guys early on, and he has a good motley crew at his disposal. And very close friends, too. I really got to, to really enjoy the... I guess the Sheriff's Department of Stone Ridge, if you
1: will. It's a close-knit bunch who keep this town safe. So to pass the time, Jesse suggests they play cards. So what they end up doing is like pushing a table up against the bars of the cell. And they pass the time playing cards and whoever wins the hand is going to essentially get some information. It's how they end up having a candid conversation about their various lots in life. And this is a really interesting and charming chapter because we get insight uh, not only into who these men are but how they've ended up at this particular point in their lives.
0: I really like how Maz tackled this because this would usually be dinner conversation
1: you know in, a, in, in dates played out over in a contemporary novel. Now I think you've hit that nail on the head this is essentially their first date Yeah, they're getting to know each other talk. Yeah, exactly. It's in jail playing
0: cards. I thought it was completely charming and a really clever way to get some information out without having to force it through an info dump. Because both sides of these characters are very cautious with what they choose to share about themselves, at least in this early run.
1: So the nights of them playing cards together continue. When word gets to count that the marshal is a few days away And word has it that Jesse will definitely hang. Yeah,
0: very much sooner than later. And it actually causes a little bit of uh, distress, even for the sheriff. And we come to learn that one of the reasons that Jesse is so against giving up too much information here is that because the lead of the Iron Bandits knows where his brother and niece live. And he's trying to keep his family safe by even keeping his own last name off the official documentation, if you will, uh, of his arrest, because he doesn't want uh, anyone associated with the Iron Bandits going after his family, which (laughs) frankly just endears him more to Cal uh, that he's trying to do what he's doing for the sake of his family.
1: Yeah, Cal is desperate to find a way to save Jesse. And he believes Jesse's last name is an important part of that. So. The next hand that they play is going to be for Jesse's last name. Unfortunately, Cal loses. And Jesse decides that since Cal is certainly not going to release him from jail, he's interested in perhaps some physical release? (laughs) But before they can explore that particular gambit to their relationship, word comes that someone has been slaughtering cattle at a nearby farm. When Jesse hears of this, he wants to help. Which isn't
0: just to let him get an escape route either. He actually knows what this is
1: attacking the cattle because he has faced wraiths before. Yep, Jesse offers up his last name as a guarantee that if Cal lets him out and helps with the situation that he won't run away. So Cal, with Jesse in tow, gathers his crew and sets out for the farm. And when they arrive, that they see it is definitely a blight wraith. So they quickly head to a local quarry, which is where they believe Skye, who is a member of Cal's crew, he's been spending some time healing from some injuries that incurred during his fight at the train robbery. Sky can make a charm that will drive the wraith away, but he needs something special, something meaningful from someone in order to make it. Cal hands over his brother's medallion, and with the silver bullet token in hand, they head out, but they hear screams coming from Stallion Ridge. The Blight Wraith has made its way into town.
0: This thing is no joke, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit reading it at night before bed. Yeah. <laughs> this scary little ghosty thing, as I think Maz
1: put it in the interview, the ghosty thing, totally freaked me out. So some supernatural chaos ensues. And during the confusion, Jesse sees his opportunity to escape. But Gunner, one of Cal's crew, takes a shot using the charmed bullet and he misses. Nothing worse than when your sharpshooter goes wrong. So with the Wraith about to eat Cal for dinner, Jesse, who is essentially the next best shot in the crew, runs into the saloon, which is where he believes the bullet is. And he finds it lodged in the piano. He borrows a blunderbuss from behind the bar, loads the bullet and then kills the Oogie Boogie Specter. Between
0: the wraith being so scary and this bit of action, it was some really exciting writing. I really enjoyed this whole action sequence that Maz set up here. It was was exciting. It really drove home the fact that Jesse's really starting to fall for Cal because he had his chance to escape. He could have gotten away, and yet
1: he turned around and went back to somehow dig a bullet out of a piano and save his man. After a few days, Cal has healed from his injuries, and he thanks Jesse for saving his life. And as a thank you, he is allowing him a conjugal visit. Jesse, needless to say, gets his hopes up for a chance with the lawman, but in walks Scarlet, the enigmatic, handsome, flirtatious, cross-dressing saloon guy. Once Cal has left them alone in Jesse's cell... Scarlet asks what he's into. The obvious answer is Cal. So <laughs> Scarlet, as we learn, is actually a mimic. He can take on the visage of whoever he chooses. And Jesse enjoys this at first. I mean, it's close, but it's not the real thing, which is what he's interested in. When Cal realizes what Scarlet is up to, he kicks him out and gives Jesse what he really wants. It's what they both really want. I was glad to
0: see that Cal just stepped up and and took over. (laughs) I figured he was just going to throw Scarlet out and then be a little pissed off about it, but Cal stepped up and good for him.
1: (laughs) And what happens next is essentially in the cell, Cal gives Jesse a hand job, but it's really so much more than that. The sequence is so intense and it's hot and it's passionate. And it's visceral and it's taken everything that these these two characters have been experiencing for the last two days essentially a really long (laughs) a really long flirtatious build-up to a release that both of them really really wanted yeah well done maz it was a really wonderful and hot sequence so Jack, the local marshal, who also happens to be a minotaur, rolls into Stallion Ridge to assess the Jesse situation. And with Jack in town, Cal knows that Jesse's days are truly numbered, and he tries to get Jack to consider other alternatives to the hangman's noose.
0: Especially given Jesse's recent service to Stallion Ridge
1: and the Wraith situation. And that night, Cal and Jesse play cards as become, you know as has become their habit for passing the time. And Jesse does his regular charming flirtatious banter with Cal, who's doing his genuine best to resist, but he's got Jesse on his mind and he can't shake him. So Jesse suggests a friendly wager, whoever wins the next hand will get a blowjob. The sheriff wins the prize and it's definitely something both of them want and need. And just as before, this sex scene is crazy and hot and it's passionate. These guys have extreme chemistry. Once Cal is satisfied, Jesse assures the sheriff that he can take care of his own needs all by his lonesome. But Cal is going to have none of that, and he joins his prisoner in his cell for a mutual J.O. session. And with his focus on their carnal satisfaction, Jesse manages to snag the keys from Cal's pants. And the very next day, Jesse knocks out the man on duty, unlocks his cell, and strolls straight out of Stallion Ridge.
0: Poor Cody. He just picks on the i the youngest kid on the crew and suckers him into coming close enough to the bars to knock him out. I felt equal parts sad for Cody and also like, why are you so stupid? <laughs>
1: I mean, come on. <laughs> now, Jesse isn't able to get very far, especially not when you have a really pissed off centaur chasing after you. Cal drags him back to town. And if Jesse's fate wasn't sealed before, it definitely is now. So what comes next is a twist that I definitely did not see coming. Cal has come up with a Hail Mary plan in order to save Jesse's life. He gives Jesse a badge and deputizes him. And it's really funny because Jesse is sort of like, huh, wait, what? (laughs) Cal has invited Jesse's family, his brother Cooper and his niece Maribel to town, and they have just arrived. This whole stunt, you're right. I'm
0: like, wait, what? What just happened? I was like as stunned as Jesse was because... They've just gone through this whole thing of dragging him back to town. Wouldn't have even let him ride on Cal this time. He had to walk his way back to town. And after all that, Cal still went forward and brought his brother in and tried to, you know, settle everything up with the marshal and everybody. It It was truly impressive what Cal was trying to do here. It just shows how much he's fallen head over heels for Jesse, too.
1: So after the family reunion, Cal explains his plan. With Cooper and Maribel nearby, they can protect him, and Jesse can now feel secure enough to give them all the details of the Iron Bandits, essentially turning state's witness. Yeah, it's a great plan, in theory. And I have to say,
0: I don't really feel one way or or the other for Cooper, for essentially getting Jesse messed up in this, since Jesse was trying to solve his brother's debts. But that niece Maribel... She is something. She's a little spitfire on her own. And I so enjoyed her injection into the story as just this cute kind of wisecracking kid who's also super duper smart and I think sees far more than people give her credit for. She was a delight. I enjoyed every minute reading her stuff as well.
1: So now essentially Cal and Jesse are an official item and he takes Jesse back to his place and they get cleaned up and are about to get a little bit frisky when Jack the Marshal shows up and he is not happy at all. Well, if you thought Cal was mad when Jesse got away, Marshall
0: is not happy at all. He He's kind of fuming.
1: Yeah, he doesn't like this change in plans and how Cal has manipulated the situation. And it results in a knockdown drag out fight between a centaur and a minotaur in the In the front yard of Cal's home. The scene, as described by Maz, is like wild and violent and intense. Cal eventually wins, buying some time before the authorities are going to come for Jesse. And while Cal rests after the brawl, Jesse heads into town to visit the chemist. He's going to pick up some salve for some of Cal's bruises and uh, perhaps maybe a little bit lube if his centaur gets a little bit frisky later. This scene at the
0: chemist reminded me of, of you know what we've seen in teenage coming of age movies where the kid goes to buy condoms for the first time. It's just this little thing that went back and forth between the chemist and Jesse over buying this lube and some of yes. the special lubes that he had.
1: <laughs> While in town, he also goes to see his brother, who figures out that there's something genuinely special between the sheriff and Jesse. And he asked Cooper for their father's old pocket watch. And he has Sky fashion a medallion for Cal to replace the one that he gave up earlier in their fight with the Blight Wraith. And I don't think
0: we mentioned what made that medallion so special. There's a plot point running for Cal throughout this that he's looking for his brother who was caught up in the war and went missing. And Cal wants to reconnect with him and find his brother, but he's never been able to. And that medallion was the last thing that he had of his brother, which is what made it so special to work against the Wraith. And so for Jesse to essentially replace that medallion now with something from him, it's it's a meaningful
1: moment and really sweet that Jesse would do that. So a few days pass and everyone in Stallion Ridge, including the members of Cal's crew, they're all working really hard to prepare for the eventual arrival of the Iron Bandit gang. Word of Jesse turning state's witness has gotten out and news from nearby towns has alerted them that the bandits are on the way. But first, Cal has to deal with the local town drunk who is worked up for some reason at the local saloon. Seb, we learn, was an enforcer during the war, which means that His job was to hunt down shifters just like Cal. And in his drunken, confused state, Seb uses his magic sparkly fingers to momentarily take away Cal's ability to shift. Just as word comes that the Iron Bandits are on the outskirts of town. This was a really masterful moment by Maz because... We've seen Seb before,
0: and, you know, Seb's role is exactly the town drunk. That's what he does. He's at the saloon. He sometimes ends up staying over in the jail. One of Cal's men often takes care of him to make sure that he's, you know, not just falling off drunk in the street somewhere. I should have been on the lookout for him to have a bigger part of the story, to do something. He wasn't just going to be there as background villa. And then Maz unleashed this thing. (laughs) It's almost like when you're reading romantic suspense and you're like, this person's going to be important later because we've had to look at them. (laughs) Didn't even cast Seb in that role. And yet here it
1: was. (laughs) So Jeb, the leader of the Iron Bandits and the rest of his bad guy buddies are ready to face off high noon style in the center of town. And they want Jesse. They are itching for a fight. Yes,
0: they are. And Cal is not in a state to protect his man because he's been whammied.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And things get really bad when we learn that Jeb and his crew are actually Lamia, which are snake shapeshifters. As if things weren't bad enough already.
0: Right. And the Wraith was bad enough. And now you've got these things to contend with, which they are not ready for at all. With the wraith, they knew what they were getting into. And with this, it's like, surprise. Oh, and
1: if it's not bad enough, they're snakes. They're venomous snakes. So they're dangerous for multiple reasons. Yeah, the fight is absolutely brutal and Cal is unable to use his centaur powers. And like Jeff said, Cal is unable to use his centaur powers, but eventually the Lumia are subdued, but not before Cal is the victim of a venomous snake bite. But it isn't fatal, and the reason is, is the necklace Jesse gave Cal was a powerful token crafted by Sky, and it connected Jesse to Cal. And in that way, it transfers the poison from Cal to Jesse, who is now on death's door. And the only way that he can be saved is if the local doctor can make an anti-venom serum. And the only way that he can do that is if he can inject venom into someone strong enough to survive and create antibodies. Someone strong like a shifter. So Cal uses every last ounce of his strength to finally shift through Seb's spell and help create the serum that will save the man he loves. Yeah, there's so much in this scene. And it's important to point out
0: that Cal's not just trying to save Jesse here. He's also trying to save Cody, who also
1: got bit in the midst of all of the fighting that was going on. So with the serum that Cal helped create, Jesse does eventually get better. And as he's recuperating, he is surrounded by the people he loves and most definitely the centaur who loves him back.
0: It's a stressful few days though. I mean, yeah, romance, you know, Jesse's got to be okay, but he did not wake up immediately. He didn't even wake up when his fever broke. He, he kind of strung that out and got some rest and made everybody worry a whole big bunch. My favorite line potentially in the entire book is cal saying that he will never trust another piece of jewelry that jesse gets him
1: (laughs) (laughs) and with that they literally ride off to watch the sunset together because what else are you going to do when your man is a centaur right the key point being that he doesn't ride off because stallion ridge is now the place that they're both going to call home yeah it's so sweet
0: i do have one bone to pick with maz though Because in all of the wrap-ups, Cody does not wake up from his cure. He's not dead, but he didn't wake up. Now, of course, you could just drag that right over into book two. But still, come on, Maz, really? That's a
1: story for another
0: day. That still, you don't leave people in peril. No, no. (laughs) This is a romance novel at its core, even though you didn't leave the main people in peril. So yeah, I'll have to read book two now at some point just to find out what happens to Cody.
1: Yeah, I really, really loved Heartache and Hoofbeats. Like I said, it took me a long time to get to this book, but I'm so glad that I finally did. And holy hell, for a first novel, I think this is really exceptional. On first glance, this book has a lot of really strange, diverse elements that you may not be able to imagine working together, but boy howdy, do they ever. I think this book has a little bit of everything, and it's done exceptionally well. It's got romance and adventure and action and some really incredible intimacy. I Mm -hmm. think the moments when Cal and Jesse are alone together and being their true authentic selves, it's just magic. It's so sweet and kind and romantic. I don't know. I just, I can't say enough good things about this book. And... The, the only criticism that Jeff had was that poor Cody was left unconscious. The only criticism I have is that this book is just too damn good. <laughs> As if my TBR wasn't already big enough. Now I have an entire series that I need to read. We heard in the, in
0: the clip that there's seven books in this series. Uh, I believe she's getting ready to release. It's either five or six right now that's getting ready to release and has had a cover reveal right around the time that we're recording this. But yeah, there's there's more there to come. And I I gotta find a way to work these into my reading because I like these folks in Stallion Ridge. They're they're fun, they're interesting, they're sexy, weird things go on there, which is interesting. And you're right about the way that Maz created the relationship between Cal and Jesse. It went from pretty hardcore enemies because he was a prisoner to some begrudging giving of information about each other to these men genuinely caring for each other and, you know, standing their ground to get what they wanted in the long run, which which was each other.
1: So that, my friends, is the June book club pick Heartache and Hoofbeats. Jeff and I certainly adored it. And if you haven't had a chance to read it yet, we highly recommend it. We'll have news of next month's book club pick coming your way very soon. Thank you for joining us. I know times are difficult right now, but there's one thing I know for certain. It's that no matter where life takes you, the journey is always sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading.
0: Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.